The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Are you longing for a place where hope, ideas, and new ways of thinking can arise? For nearly 50 years, Omega Institute's campus in Rhinebeck, New York, has been a gathering place where world-class teachers provide innovative educational experiences that cultivate extraordinary potential in us all. Join us either on campus or online. To learn more, visit eomega.org. All are welcome. We're glad you found us. Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. Are you ready to create a life that's intentional and dynamic? Welcome to The Intentional Spirit with your host, Reverend Temple Hayes. Welcome, everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in. Here we are um, in this uh, wonderful uh, season of life. This is like a part two series today. We've been addressing grief um, this year and how people cope with grief and how they process it how they deal with loss. And I'm very tickled that today we have Sandy Cowan as our lead author, as the guest of our show, as she's going to talk about her life experience and her tragic loss of her, of her child. Sandy, welcome to the show. I'm so glad you're here. Um, Not necessarily about the reasons that you're here, but I'm glad you're here on the intentional um, being and intentional living show today. Thank you so much. Well, thank you for inviting me. I'm delighted to be here as well. Well, uh, one of the things with all practicality that we wanted to have this radio show, The Intentional Spirit, is we wanted to to really focus on um, on a way of, of practical living and tools, which, you know, when people experience tragedy or challenge or whatever layer that may be, that they're able to take those experiences and turn them into um, ways to help others, uh, ways to share life, ways to to be a, a role model in in whatever way. And I'm I'm sure you didn't set out initially to be that, but that's what you certainly have have become. So for the benefit of our audience, um, how did grief become a part of your life? Um, well, I'll tell you, I, I slipped from shock, actually, to connectedness. So even though grief was uh, a thread that ran through the loss of my son in the summer of 2018, um, it was running a parallel track with something else that was happening at the same time. So I... I I tell many people this, honestly, I would still be in bed if uh, I had not somehow connected immediately to my son um, when he passed, and we have stayed connected throughout his journey and, and mine, really. So um, that that's sort of the, the deal. What I, what I try to encourage people to uh, be open to 
is when they lose a loved one, number one, they really aren't that far away. And number two, when they see signals or signs or think they hear something or think they see something, acknowledge it. Allow it to be, because it probably is. And when did um, when did John die? What what year was that? It was uh, two and a half years ago. So it was uh, the summer mm-hmm. July of two thousand eighteen, and he he died. He, well, actually, he was <clears throat> living with me here at the time, and um, when he didn't go to work that morning, um, I. I knocked on his door and called to him, and it just wasn't like him. He was out of the house quickly and off to work, and um, and his room was eerily quiet. And when I opened the door, it, it just didn't look right. I mean, his arm was up, you know, and that was not normal. And I knew something was dreadfully wrong. But the interesting thing, Temple, what I said when I realized Sean had passed was I said, you've gone. Mm-hmm. Isn't that odd? I, it's, like, mm-hmm. it's like I knew he, somehow at some level there was a choice and uh, that it was a process. It wasn't a final it was like you're physically gone. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? I didn't mean mm-hmm. gone forever. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. within, I would say probably an hour or two of that incident, it was at 8.30 in the morning, um, I heard him. I heard him in his transition, and he had no idea what had happened to him, was confused, was frightened, was was he just didn't know. And I heard him calling out, not necessarily to me, just calling out, but because I connected with that, um, I I felt very helpless. I mean, I, I, I had, however, I guess this is a sidebar deal, I had been sort of a reluctant medium for about 30 years. I didn't tell anybody. I had been hearing things and connecting and stuff with people. And I just kept kept notes on everything, wrote everything down, and um, just kept my mouth shut. Basically. May may I may I ask, um, mm-hmm. what were there any particular reasons? Um, because I think it's also uh, poignant to people that are listening. You know, we have a lot of closeted people that are really gifted <laughs> in this world. Um, you know, <laughs> yeah. that are invisible, but they have lots of gifts to share. Was, was there any particular reason or reasons as to why you were uh, a quiet um, psychic or medium? Well, it it sort of came on me gradually, and was was uh, prompted by illness. Um, uh, I I was going a whole natural route with a series of autoimmune conditions, one of which was rheumatoid arthritis. It was very, very, very painful. And what I learned was when my mind was very still, pain was not quite as intense. When my mind was real busy, pain intensified. So over a period of months and then actually years, I trained myself to keep my mind still. I mean, totally still. And it's pretty much blank all the time, and I'm in the moment. 
And when you're like that, when you're not generating all that stuff, you can hear the whispers. And I began uh, initially getting signals from spirits who were stuck, and I would send them over. Uh, I probably have done maybe about 1,500 of those. About three or four friends knew about that, Um, but that was it. And then it graduated about, I don't know, five or six years into that, it graduated to where I heard I was taking care of an aunt who had dementia. She was getting near her time to leave, and some of the family came to me all at once and said, um, we we want you to do these things to make her transition easier. And it was basically putting a little memory book together for her of real old family pictures because she was her memory was way back there. And so I did that for Christmas. And so she could look at it and feel joyful because she thought those people were still here. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it made her focus on happiness and love. And I think it made her transition easier. She was fearful with the dementia. So that was the first of the other messages that began coming. And Lord, I just kept getting them. I don't know. So I didn't say anything. You know, I was a very professional, um, well-connected, socially involved, politically involved, community-wise involved. Um, And I don't, you know, I don't know. I just, I guess I just didn't want to, I didn't know what to do with it in the first place. I wasn't going to hang out a shingle and charge. I didn't want to cheapen what I had. And I thought that is what I couldn't go from who I was to hanging out as a medium sign in my front yard. Do you see what I'm saying? It was like mm-hmm. one extreme to the other. So I just shut up. And then when John died, I couldn't keep it in anymore. Um, he, the more he came to me, he he was relentless, actually, <laughs> prompting me to write this book. And he said, Mama, you've got to tell people that they can connect to, and you've got to let them know it's not that challenging and that just start to be open. I always considered myself a little bit of a transitional voice. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't preach to the choir, but I do talk to beginners. <laughs> <laughs> That I can't, I'm just kind of, you know, uh, imagining uh, what it would be like for for a mom close to her son. And in those minutes, you know, knowing that, as your own words, you're gone to now you're talking to me. That's a whole lot of emotions going through a body at one time. That must have been some kind of resurrection there (laughs) well you know you know it was really um i thought about it and the process was kind of like this at first when i heard him say i don't know what happened i'm so sorry i'm so sorry and then he wanted a mulligan i mean he wanted a do-over and i i i just would talk you know just in general i'd say oh honey you know, you can't. This is it. And then I'd hear him be confused, and then he went away. So I never 
thought that I was connected. I never thought about anything. I just heard his confusion and fear. And then the next morning, I saw him. Well, didn't see him, actually. I saw him in my mind's eye. But first, I heard a knock on my bedroom door. And I'm the only one that lives in this house, so there weren't a lot of options here. But I was waking up. I heard a real knock. And I felt John's spirit walk in the door and sit where he would always sit in the chair, and he just looked stunned. Just, And it wasn't really him. It was kind of a shadowy him, you know, and I could see it in my mind's eye, but I had my eyes squinted shut, and I didn't want to open them, Temple, because I didn't want him to go away. I wanted to hold on to that as long as I could. And I tried to talk him through the transition a little bit. I don't know whether... Um, I did any good or not, because after about 20 minutes, I guess, he just faded away. And then that night, I felt such a sense of peace, and I knew he was home. I knew he was where he was supposed to be. So a couple days later is when he came with the first message. So at each point, I never expected anything else. I never did anything but stay in the moment and try to help you know, for when I was called to help and didn't think much more about it. Once he started coming, I was just so grateful, and I knew it was real because I'd done this before. And besides, he's funnier than I am. (laughs) So I couldn't make make this stuff up. I love that. I I say that often. That's kind of like one of my sayings. It's like, you just can't make this stuff up. (laughs) No, you can't. You can't. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. And I asked him, you know, once, because the relation, he'd come three or four or more times a month. And, you know, the first year and a half, it was almost all making amends. It was almost all soul cleansing. Um, how sorry he was. He was kind of a little poop when he was, uh, you know, for a number of years in our life. He was um, he was tough, and he he just could not cleanse that enough. And finally, when all that kind of got went away after about a year and a half, it's been more just just real normal. I mean, he'll talk to me about um, something I might be doing that's significant for him or um, answers questions that I have about the other side. And and he's, this is going to sound really weird, but after the book was written and our hope was that the book would open up the possibility that people would feel, you know, maybe... Maybe this could happen, or uh, maybe this little butterfly I see hanging around really is my mom, you know, or it's her sending something to signal me, or uh, maybe what I heard is him, uh, that they can honor that, and that's a way of beginning to be connected. It benefits mm-hmm. them on the other side, too. This is not just for our healing. This is really for them, too. Oh yeah, I don't, I don't find anything weird about it. Um, 
I I think that's so so beautiful. I was on a a show a little bit earlier, not radio, but um, with another organization during the season for nonviolence, and we were talking about you know self forgiveness and and how you know we it's so much work can be done with someone on the other side. You know, that was a question one of the audience members said is, can you oh. still do the work? Uh, absolutely. Sometimes you can do it, you know, even better. Um, but I, I, I was saying that there was a statement that a friend of mine wrote that, that we can die twice. One is when the heart stops and the other time is when people stop talking about us. And I thought that was a, a beautiful quote that that she had written, um, and she, you know, not long ago died as well. But I find that incredible and such comfort when people can understand that that veil is just really, really thin, and you you can communicate. And my childhood friend, her husband died, and so she kind of uh, awoken to this kind of thing, you know. Uh, and, you know, started reading about the possibilities. And so she told him, she said, well, I'm still upset with you because I've still lost that earring, you know, that you gave me for this particular anniversary. And a couple of days later, she was by her pool and there was the earring laying right there on a brick. Um, so these are, you know, like you said, you can't make this stuff up. And it, it's too real that you certainly can't deny it, you know. No, and, and you know, we think we're so smart. <laughs> we think we think we have all the answers for everything. Heck, we don't know anything. You know, I'm convinced of that. Uh I quit making firm plans years ago. I um I'm led every day and um you know, I'm, I make notes and kind of have an idea of what I want to accomplish. And if I do, wonderful. And if I don't, it, there's another day uh, to make that happen because sometimes life gets in the way. And um, and John really caused a real detour. But I've got to tell you, the spirits that have come to me after the after this book have been. Because uh, with me, they usually connect with electrical stuff, you know, mis- mischief. And I'm not great with technology in the first place. So when I'm doing something on the computer and then every then every single file and folder on my desk open at the same time, I mean, it's it's disheartening. And when my TV goes on at 5 in the morning... And the light shines so bright it lights up the whole room through armoire doors. I mean, gosh, you know, so I always know when somebody is trying to contact. And um, and they've, they've said, many who have come have said that John's growth has been amazing because he was actually able to communicate some of the things that he would have probably had to come back for an additional life to learn more deeply about because there was dialogue involved he could he could learn that without doing it all by himself in a closet you see what i'm saying there was the, oh, yeah. the, richness, the richness of relationship 
speeds up the process of soul growth. So maybe instead of, and I don't know, maybe some of your listeners believe in reincarnation, maybe some don't, but for those who do, instead of maybe coming back 50 times or 25 times, maybe you only have to come back 11, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's a huge, huge benefit. So lots of people over there are giving me out of girls and encouraging. Oh, yeah. I can't imagine anyone in 2021 not believing in reincarnation. But, you know, that's a different talk for a different day, as we would say. But, I mean, how could you, with all the information and everything we know and we've seen and all that, you know, how could you, how could you not? Or the children that are being born now that tell you who they used to be or the prodigies you know, of a child that's four years old that can play a piano of somebody that's from another incarnation. It's like undeniable, um, you know, uh, I, I don't I don't even know sometimes if it's that we really think we're that smart or we're just closed-minded. You know, I think it was Alvin Tolliver that said that, you know, the issue of this century is to, it's not about learning, it's about unlearning. You know, obviously I'm paraphrasing, but it's unlearning that we have bought into these little bitty boxes, you know, <laughs> instead of this real huge, big world, you know, filled with potential. And I love that your son's a co-author and he's on the other side. <laughs> yes, I'm talking with, uh, right? I'm talking with Sandy Cowan. You can go to her website, Sandy Cowan, C-O-W-E-N.com. You can read all about her and her book. It's available right now. It's called Hi Mama, It's Me. And that's how how souls stay connected forever and the power of undying love about her journey with her, with her son. Um, it's just a beautiful story and I, I would urge you to get involved. And I, I love your endorsements, you know, Larry Dossey and, uh, the Foundation for Living Medicine and the founding board of um, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. You know, she's a hero, that's for sure. And um, and, and with Wayne Dyer. Uh, did, did Wayne Dyer um, communicate with you from beyond? Or I'm like, I got to know that. Because he's been, he's been passed a while, hasn't he? I have to tell you, he's come three or four times, and Good. I had I had I think met him maybe once at a conference a hundred years ago. But I I was shocked when he when he came because I didn't really know him, and he was prompting me to ask Larry Dossey to endorse the book, and he said to me to um, to be sure to tell him. So when I and I had met Larry Dossey, so when I sent a note to him. Um, I explained about the book, sent him the synopsis and everything, and then said, you know, because I happened to do this, Wayne came and blah, blah, blah. And, um, oh, man, he just didn't bat an eye. You know, I mean, it was absolutely. And he said, um, you know, next time you talk to Wayne, tell him hi. You know, it's kind of like you just make a phone call. That is hysterical. Really <laughs> but he he said wonderful things about Wayne said wonderful things about the book. And then he said to me, I said, Do you mind if I 
use this. And you know, Temple, I don't ask for people to come to me. I don't solicit because I think that invites mis- mischief sometimes. I wait till they come. If they want me, they, they know where to find me. So right. when he came again, I said, do you mind if I quote? He said, no. He said, I want to get credit. It's a good quote. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I put him on the, web, on the website. But you notice he's in italics. Yes, I did. Yes, yeah, I did. I, I, I mean, intuitively, I knew that was from another. It was from the afterlife, but I just, I couldn't wait to hear the story. It's like, okay, (laughs) I love it. I absolutely love it. It's so cool. And um, when was the first time he he came through? Or did you go, this can't be you? Or did you go, hi, Wayne, good to see you? <laughs> no, 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 no. I always, I never know who it is. Right, okay. I know it's somebody. And then I go through a process. You know, is God always gets first dibs. So I ask if it's God first. And then I go to the Ascended Master group. You know, I ask about Jesus or whether it's Mary or whomever. And um, <clears throat> and if I'm getting no's, then I go to angels and guides and no, 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 and I get to friends and family. And when it's not family, it's friends, where pe- or these people would all be considered friends. And uh, I go to ma- male or female generally first, but then if I don't see right away who it is, then I have to go through, you know, are you a writer? Are you spiritual? Are you... Um, in the arts, are you in science? Are you, you know, categorically to try to hone it down because I have no idea who's coming. And once I get way down the path there a little bit, sometimes their face will just show up to me. I'll, I'll see who it is. But I've had very bizarre, very bizarre ones. And I think my next book will probably be because each of them either share a lesson that was really important in their life. Um, Jimi Hendrix comes to mind because I have a blog on him. That's on my website. Um, It's a funny story about him. But like 50-some years later, he shows up, and it wasn't because of our brief interaction or stories I tell about him. It was about his regret and how he wished he had not lived with such excess. He explained what the excess was and why he burned out at 27. And he said, just think of the impact I could have made with young black boys with the guitar, especially electric. He said, there just aren't any. Mm. You see, so they all have one either lessons they've learned or things they want to share and a lot of them then they're then they're big names and i said you know this is you know it's like you do a regression and you're cleopatra everybody expects <laughs> you know, to be the i sure i'm glad person. you came out of the closet i'm talking to sandy <laughs> cowan today you can join me at templehays.com or firstunity.org love to stay in touch with you and we'll be right back for more of this beautiful conversation uh, with Sandy. Thank you for being with us. You're listening to Unity Online Radio. The voice of an awakening world. 
Welcome back to The Intentional Spirit with Reverend Temple Hayes. Okay. And welcome back, everyone, and thank you so much for being here. We are definitely talking to an intentional spirit today that a woman that had been hiding as a as a medium for over 30 years and her son's death, tragic death, um, two and a half years ago, John, um, awakened her reality as he immediately started communicating with her. Sandy Cowan, I'm so glad you're here. And it's so interesting in my heart. I feel like I've talked to you many, many times. And no, I don't say that to everybody, but I definitely feel that familiarity uh, with you. So before we went on break, um, and we're drawing from your website, sandycowan.com, we were talking about how that you've had all different kind of people, you know, want to take up space in your life. And, you know, Wayne Dyer is one of them. He even gave you an endorsement from the other side and connected you with Larry Dossie. But you were mentioning uh, Cleopatra. So tell us some of those stories. That's really, really cool. And I think that that's the reason probably is because you are so humble and you're not full of yourself, you know. So don't be shy. Don't hold anything back, okay? <laughs> well, I won't. And in fact, okay. the Cleopatra reference was to make the extreme ridiculous comparison because you know how when people have a past life regression or something and then they're disappointed if they weren't Cleopatra or they weren't um, King Henry VIII or they weren't somebody famous, Everybody thinks they have to be famous. So when all of these famous people came, I I really got embarrassed. I mean, I really got embarrassed. So to one of them early on, I said, you know, I'm really embarrassed by this because people might think that I'm just being braggy or I'm being funny uh, with all these names and you you got to help me. And they said, well, here's the deal. And I think it was Henry Ford actually who said this. He said, you know, my life path, and well, I'm paraphrasing exactly, but my life path and the things I've learned and all of that are probably very similar to many, many, many other people. You know, a guy like Fred Smith in Philadelphia. And he said, but if Fred Smith in Philadelphia came to you, Sandy, and wanted you to share information that would help people, and you did... Who would care? I mean, nobody cares. Mm -hmm. So he said, but if I share, they will. They'll listen. So he said, that's why a lot of us are stepping up because we know people will pay attention to us. And we do have a lot to, you know, a lot to say. So, um, yeah, so I gladly, my goodness, I've got them from Edith Piaf, if you can imagine, I, you know, adored her. To Esther Williams, who even wants Esther Williams to channel her? I mean, who wants her to visit? Mm-hmm. Nobody. You what know, did Esther was, Williams uh, share some things with us? What did Esther Williams? Did anything know, particular was, that stood I, out for you? No, I don't remember exactly what hers was because I've had I don't know three hundred and fifty. Uh, come, but of the big names, I'd guess maybe 40 so far. Mm-hmm. And um, 
some are very, very funny, and some come on a topic. Uh, so, for example, um, I'm just doing a blog now because Walter Cronkite actually came twice about the same thing. Oh, I miss him. Wasn't he wonderful? Just Oh, yeah. I was oh. just talking about him yesterday, actually, I believe. Yeah, I was talking about how that was when the news was thorough and fun or or had more depth and meaning. Um, what a guy. And, what a guy. Like, so he's been like through he, a couple of times. Did he tell you anything that you, you know, recall that stood out? Yes, actually. And I have his thing here because I was just doing a blog on it. And um, the two things that were particularly important, he, he talks about how sad journalism is today because it's so sensational. And back in the day, you know, newscasters and, and reporters and anchors, some of them were revered. I mean, you just, you know, and and they all had biases, for goodness sake, because they were human beings. But they they were so proud of the fact that nobody knew what side of the fence they were on, you know. And mm-hmm. they were proud of that. Today, you know, nobody cares, and they're advocates, and they talk and over the top of guests. And, and well, they sell drama and opinion. trash. You know, I mean, that's the difference. I mean, uh, Walter Cronkite and others at that time, I mean, they sold hope. You know, yeah, there was tragedy, but there was triumph. There was sadness, but yeah, there was joy. It was a balance. Now it's, you know, how horrific can it be? And, you know, the drama and the fight and the divide. And it's just, we're just bombarded with all this stupidity which doesn't really reflect who we are at all it's a very small population on the planet that even reflects what they promote all the time it's just a trip well and what he talked about was how the news they were so dignified and respected and in some cases revered and then he went on to say and by the way when i get these messages i write every single word I don't fill in the blanks. A lot of mediums, they'll see a picture or they'll get a couple words and then they interpret. I, I do no interpret. This is too, um, to me, it's sacred work. I, I you know, I, mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to lose a nuance of what they were trying to say. So he said, now they're like carnival barkers, one out sensationalizing the other. But the cute thing that I wanted to share, when I was a little girl, about nine years old, I think, we made a me book in school and had me on the front of it. And then inside, we drew a picture of our family. We drew a picture of our pet and of our uh, house and then what we were going to be when we grew up. And I drew a woman. Now, I lived in a small, teeny town in Illinois. Um, farming community, uh, and I wanted to be, the woman was in a suit, and she had a pad and pencil with her. I wanted to be a reporter like Lorelai Kilborn. I don't even <laughs> remember where Lorelai Kilborn came from, but I have never forgotten her name because that's who I wanted to be like. Well, he reminds me 
I ended up, by the way, being in the advertising PR business, so it was kind of related, but I was never a journalist. But he said, remember, Sandy, as a little girl, you wanted to be a reporter like Lorelai Kilborn, huh? Now look at you, reporting the big stuff. (laughs) 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 He said, this assignment, kiddo, is not for sissies. And then in in quotes, he said, shoot the messenger, remember? So write and duck. Yeah, so what do you think of that? <laughs> that well, and the interesting thing is it, it, it sounds, you can hear him say that, actually. <laughs> oh, know? absolutely. And some of them, their personality really comes through. Um, Mahatma Gandhi was a gentle, different um, kind of a voice, and some are um, really fun. Barry Goldwater was very irreverent, and he it was very funny um, because he, you know, he just basically said, and I hope I shouldn't say this on Unity Radio, but he basically said, "Don't let the bastards get you down," you know. Mm-hmm. But that's exactly mm-hmm. more like his style. Absolutely. And, uh, that's that's how he would yeah. have been. You know, how he was, not how he would have been. How he is. How he is. <laughs> you know, how in, he is in that right. space. And, and uh, wow, now Gandhi, now he's one of my mentors. So that's a uh, love, love, love him for sure. You know, I think the next book will probably be um, All of Those Voices. I think mm-hmm. I'll mm-hmm. and I don't That would be a good, me. great book. Because everyone, they're not just rambling, you know, I mean, they're all, and sometimes I have no idea what they're saying, because I'll write, 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 the same with John when he comes, and sometimes in my mind, subconscious or something, I'm saying to myself, I'm not sure this makes sense, you know, but I just keep feverishly writing, and it'll be three or four or five or as many as eight handwritten pages um, that I'm writing, writing, writing. And then when I get to the end, I go back and read it, and I am always shocked. There is a nugget of brilliance or a beauty in it that I'm just not that good, you know? It never could happen with me. So <laughs> I don't doubt a bit where this stuff is coming from. I don't doubt it a bit. Well, you're you definitely... Uh you know, allowed such a space for uh, these energetic beings to come through. And uh, it sounds like words gotten around. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it is. John, Uh John came the other day. Now he comes a little less frequently. I'd say maybe two or three times a month instead of maybe three or four plus. And, um, and he said, now I'm going to let you go before your hand gets too tired because he said there's somebody else waiting. And then he said, take a number, you know, <laughs> really. <laughs> That's funny. I, I love that. I love that. And so that for the people tuning in and they go, this book, you know, hi, Mama, it's me, sounds very interesting. Um, tell us some of the, what you would consider, you know, a couple of the teasing nuggets that uh, give us a little bit more as to why this book is important. I think we've covered the obvious aspects of it, but uh, from your heart, why do you feel it's important? There are a couple, a couple things that I think people would be 
fascinated by. Um, I asked um, I asked John uh, if he had seen Jesus, and my son was not particularly religious, but he um, he said to me, "Yes, I've seen him, but it's not about that for me now." He's really doing a lot of work on himself, and he says, I can see him, and I can, like, bump into him. I don't know. You know, I'm making an odd analogy here. Mm-hmm. But he said, honestly, Mom, he said, my frequency, even up here, is not quite high enough to hang with the big dogs. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. Interesting. And when he said it, I thought, oh, my gosh, John, that's so sacrilegious almost. I thought everybody has loved it. They all refer to it, you know, when they come to me. Um, Nobody thought anything bad about it at all. But your frequency does raise the more pure the soul is in love, Mm -hmm. even over there. And then when you get to the place where we're more like God intended us to be, where that's that pure unconditional love state, non-judgmental in the moment, um, then, you know, you don't have to necessarily come back, you know, and you can hang with the big dogs. So that was fascinating to me. The other thing that I thought was real important is so many came in the book, and I shared, uh, what heaven was like. And um, I think there's a quote in the Bible, and I am certainly not a Bible student but there's something about in my in my father's house there are many mansions mm-hmm. many mansions is talking about mm-hmm. the afterlife yep mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i know that probably has different interpretations but john talks about the different stages of of reflection and stuff that happens there he also um talks about his particular heaven. So others, I've probably got about five or six other quotes from people who talk about their particular heaven as well. So you have not only the traditional uh, stereotypical angels and peace and, you know, just overwhelming. Well, the overwhelming love is throughout everything there, but, um, you know, the typical kind of heaven. But then you can go to the place where your life's, where your passion was. And for some, it's animals. For some, it's nature. And one of my friends said the leaves on the plants are as thick as your index finger. I mean, it was like nature on steroids, Mm-hmm. that so lush and magnificent and another who was a big game hunter and very uh accomplished uh, world-class fisherman and all that he adored animals and he said uh, that he was seeing all the most beautiful animals in the world he said present and extinct Mm. which I thought was astounding because there really is no time there. Right, right, right. It's all one time. Uh Mm -hmm. And my son is playing golf everywhere. Of course, you don't actually swing the club, but it's an energetic thing where you see the beauty and you feel the experience. And you know what I'm saying? It's an emotional experience. Sure. I, absolutely. A lot of that but, you is, know, is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, Sandy, is um, 
parts coming up with me to talk about that that I've always found interesting because in all the years I've done memorials and funerals and you know all those kind of things and I certainly have had many encounters with people on the other uh, you know side and people that communicate and you know all of this stuff is just very easy to accept from life experiences and things like that my mother-in-law that that she was missing she was a silver alert and the rainbows came in the kitchen and she said temple i'm already gone you know so i i get all that in in that space but what i find interesting is is a number of things that um well i'll just pick two (laughs) one is that you know people still say you know rest in peace where it's like if anybody ever stopped to think about that you know there's they're not really resting. They're working, they're engaged, they're involved. They do projects, they sign up for teams, they teach children on the other side or, you know, whatever. So I've always found that like, when do people stop saying rest in peace? They're not resting, they're not sleeping. They're actually very engaged and involved. So that that's one thing. And the other thing that I've always found fascinating is that, um, let's say uh, for sake of this story, a man and woman have been married. Their religiosity says, um, you know, it's wrong to divorce. And they have, you could never explain, or the children could never explain, you know, why they even stayed together. You know, they had not, very little in common. They argued all the time, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, mom dies first. And then a few years later, dad dies. And people start saying, oh, how wonderful. You know, they're finally, that's not the first thing they say, but probably the third or fourth thing. Oh, how beautiful. You know, their mom and dad are in heaven together together, and they're just having the most wonderful time. I don't see that. and, And I don't believe that because the vibration wouldn't align because it didn't even align on this planet of being a human being. What am I missing? No, no, I don't think you're missing anything. And I will tell you, <clears throat> the probably the antithesis of that, but making the similar point, is that once you can bump into somebody in your life one time, have an extraordinary connection, um, and then they're out of your life. I mean, you don't even... It, it, it may have been quick. It may have been accidental. It doesn't have to have been physical. It can just be a connection. But you mm-hmm. felt something, you see. Um, yeah. I don't think that goes away either. And I think those connections are stronger than the ones that you force through life here because somebody told you you should. And those are the ones that you probably will return with in another way. Because they're they're closer to you. Do you see what I'm saying? You'll you'll. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've even had that happen recently. Yeah. yeah, where you just you're you're like your whole soul. You just smile like, oh my gosh, I've been waiting to meet you all my life. You know, and and it's mm-hmm. just this wide opening. You know, and it doesn't. It's not necessarily reciprocated. You know, uh, but it but it affects and impacts you you know, for sure. And that awakening continues, you know, the broader, bigger, more in-depth person that that you are, even though the person is controlling, you know, what it can be or can't be, where you're like, here I am, let's play, 
you know. Um, the other yeah. the other point that is made in the book a little bit is how not to judge. Uh-huh. We we can't judge other people, their behavior or any. We have no idea what their path is. Mm-mm. And one one um, pair of souls, a man and wife actually, <clears throat> that I talk about in the book. I always use first names. I don't, and they're accurate, but I don't use last names. And Marcia, who came to me, um, uh, d- died probably earlier than she should because she had two devastating things happen in her life within a year or so apart, a couple of years apart. And it was just too much. You know, she was about my age. And I think on a subconscious level, she said, I can't take this anymore. I went out of here. Well, her body gave her bone cancer and she was gone in a year and a half. So I believe those things can happen too if we, at a core level, will ourselves to to pass. But she left, and her husband's behavior was actually the trigger that sent her over. So when he came to me, and this part's in the book as well, he came to me and said, he had a pretty good life, actually, and he said, um, you know, the hardest thing was, Uh, He said, I wouldn't have done anything different in my life. But he said, the hardest thing was knowing everybody, all my friends hated me for what I had done. And he said, "Um, but I had to be the trigger for Marsha. See, that was part of his path. Mm -hmm. And he, he said, but she instantly forgave me when I was here. Instantly. It was just instant. And so I don't, I'm very quick. Not to judge. I um, I I love every person I meet instantly, and then I might not like them. <laughs> I might not decide to hang around with them, <laughs> but I do love them, and that's at a different level. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so I think if we can get closer to that, I think we'd all be a heck of a lot better off. Oh yeah, and absolutely. How has this work in the last? Um two or three years you know and you're being more out there uh how has it changed you um oh it's definitely made me more gentle um uh a lot more loving i mean i'm i'm i have a routine every morning so i'm half an hour to an hour uh, in meditation, and it's not a formal meditation. I do it in bed. I do it getting up. I, you know, it's like that. I read Jesus Calling for me every morning. Um, I ask for the Holy Spirit's guidance, and then I, my mind is blank, and I just, I, I live in gratitude, and, and it's a little odd because at this stage of my life, I have to continue to work. I have to earn money and I just can't make myself do it with the work I this part of my life so trying to like weave work work into this uh, it's really delicate and I haven't exactly figured out how to do it but I have to at some point otherwise I have to go get married (laughs) 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 Oh, the adventures we live in, right? (laughs) Yes, that's right. That is too funny. 
<laughs> so it's changed my life in that I really don't want to play here. I really would really play over there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's if if I have a preference, so I don't mind living alone. I don't mind being 25 miles from all my friends. Um, I don't mind seeing people less frequently. Well, COVID forces a little of that anyway. But, um, yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm very content. Yeah, well, you've got a lot of, you got a lot of people living in your, in your heart, you know, and, and they're waiting in line. You know, you're like a <laughs> Disney on steroids. <laughs> you're going to have to start offering a- people the, the quick pass. <laughs> Yes, where you punch a thing and you get the frequency Mm -hmm. discount. Yeah, but it's kind of like Christmas every day because I never know, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they don't come every day, but but it's it's pretty often. So yeah, yeah, my life is not boring. It's just beautiful, right? It's uh, it's the realm of of mysticism. You know, it's like um, it's like one of my you know morning. awakening affirmations is oh oh i'm so excited god i get to be you today you know i'm so excited about the mystery we call life of just what what could come in you know what's going to happen what what reveals itself you know what what space i mean it just it's that part of that like you're talking about that that level of openness, you know, the preciousness of, of the heart. Everyone, we've been talking to Sandy Cowan today. Now you already know that she's just, you got to know her. SandyCowan.com and her book, uh, Hi Mama, It's Me, um, that was written through the uh, tragedy of her son. I'm Temple Hayes. I love being with all of you. I love it when you contact uh, us and let us know. Uh, about being on the show and join us at firstunity.org and you can tell uh, step into more of the work that we do here in the world and thank you for your support your ongoing support for unity online radio we really appreciate it goodbye everyone thank you so much Thanks for listening. This is Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Do you ever feel that calling that you should be doing more with your life? If you're unhappy with the status quo, I can help. My name is Elias Patras, and I'm an intuitive motivator, psychic medium, and motivational speaker. I know that feeling, and on my podcast, Your Inner Voice, I can help you answer that call to step into your life's purpose. I will show you how to recognize and listen to the signs and signals that are all around us and help you tap into your intuition. Join me for the show here on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network and wherever you get your podcasts. Let's connect, educate, and grow on this journey together. Do you have an online course or an event or a book you'd like to promote? We've got the right audience for you. Our listeners love content like the show you just heard. You can reach our engaged audiences by advertising right here on mindbodyspirit.fm, the podcast network, in shows about wellness, self-care, spirituality, angels, and more. 
contact info at mindbodyspirit.fm.